Hey, what's up guys and welcome to Listen Up. My name is Brandon and it's the show where we talk about all topics that is relevant, that are relevant to not just Christians but also to non-Christians alike. Uh, we want to thank you so much for your support thus far. It's a very exciting new show and uh, we want to thank you for receiving it so well. Now today we got a very special guest with us. Now when I say special, uh, I haven't seen him for quite a while. But he is someone that I admire a lot. And uh, he is, I think, one of the most talented, one of the most, uh, one of the most wealthy in terms of knowledge because uh, he's an academic and uh, he's very, very well-known, especially in Bible seminaries. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome, it's a privilege to have him here, the President of Bible College Malaysia, Reverend Victor Lee. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. Hello. Glad to be here. Thank you so much, uh, Reverend Victor, for joining us today. First of all, how are you doing today? Are you okay? Are you makan ready, everything? Well, I have my lunch, but uh, mm. yeah, now it's just in the season of working from home. Yes. It's been busy, very busy. Yes, I've been keeping up to date with your Facebook statuses, you know, about taking care of the kids, you know, uh, being a father, being a president. <laughs> There's a kindergarten at home at the same time, you're taking care of an entire school. So I can tell, you know, and I can see also your hair very long already, you know, so I know you haven't yeah, been very going long. out. <laughs> Now, uh, Reverend Victor, like I said just now, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here on Listen Up. Uh, today's topic is a very mm-hmm. interesting one. And uh, we, we, we're going to deal with the topic of Christian education. You know, As the president of Bible College Malaysia, I believe that Christian education uh, is something and is something that is, I would say, very close to your heart. If not, you wouldn't be you yeah. know, in this field f- you know, uh, uh, for a start. But before we yes, talk sir. a little bit about Christian education, I want to rewind a little bit and talk about yourself, mm-hmm. you know, because some people may not know who you are and uh, what, what you do. So before we go on any further, maybe you can just give a brief introduction, uh, who you are, you know, where you're from, uh, what do you right. do? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a third generation Christian. That means I grew up in a Christian family. My grandparents were Christians and we worship in the same church, First Assembly of God. Uh, Kuala Lumpur is a very old church. 80 over years of history in uh, Pudu, wow. um, Shiraz area. Mm. Um, I'm an ordained minister of the Assemblies of God of Malaysia as well. I've been in the ministry for more than 10 over years. More than that, I think. <laughs> coming to 20 years soon. Wow. Um, I, I started serving God, um, um, giving my life to Jesus to serve God um, since the age of 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it has been a good journey. Yeah. Um, so I've been pastoring for a period of time and then move on now serving at Bible College of Malaysia as the president. Now, uh, very interesting. If I'm not mistaken, you happen to be the youngest president, you know. Uh, when I was at BC, I remember it was Reverend Ngkok Ki. Uh, then after yeah. that, he retired. And then someone half his age uh, <laughs> took up, I think, his position. Yeah. And that happened to be happen to be you that's and true. Uh, that's true. I, I would say in the history of bible college malaysia i would uh you know i, w- I would dare to say that you're probably the youngest uh, president of bc is yeah. that is that true uh, when i was the when i was took when i took up the role i was at um age 32 32 Ooh. so i was the youngest um, president in the history of bcm wow and also i think uh still youngest in malaysia as well among mm. all the seminaries Right. So uh, I raised a lot of eyebrows. Like people are like, oh, this is... <laughs> who, who is this young <laughs> chiku huh, from where? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, AG is taking a very risky <laughs> road. Passing a baton to someone that young. No. Yeah, but it has been a yeah. big journey. Yeah, five mm-hmm. years by now. Yeah, Five years already, yeah. So you're still less than 40 mm-hmm. and uh, you've been the president yeah. for five years now. Now, I need to ask you, at 32 years old, a lot of people would be thinking... 
and a lot of people would raise eyebrows. So did you, as mm. as yourself, you know, personally, did you feel any pressure when you took up this role? Oh. You know, was it... Was it <laughs> pressure? <laughs> pressure is an understatement. Wow, <laughs> it was very challenging. In fact, uh, you know, we pray. Yeah. Uh, before I I took over the role, even I was given the invitation to consider. At that time, me and my wife were praying: should we t- even take up this role? Mm. Um, I was not the first choice, by the way. Huh? Mm-hmm. I was not the first choice. There were people whom I think are more suitable in terms of their age and maturity. But having prayed and felt that we have the peace of God and yep. therefore we decided to give it a goal. Mm, mm, so mm. it was a very, very scary moment when I'm I sure. took over. Um, the rest of the board members, uh, lecturers, all of them were in their 50s. Yeah. Um, lecturers, quite a number of them are in their 60s. So some of my students um, in their 50s and 60s <laughs> as well. Yes. I, uh, it is very daunting at first, but eventually, yeah, get you getting used to it now. <laughs> wow! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! And I can say, you know, just uh, you know, from from all my friends who are BCM, I can say that mm-hmm. yes, nothing but but good reports uh, since you've been at the helm there. Uh, what does your family, especially you know, people like your your parents, you know, they're both minister. I mean, they're both also in ministry, right? Uh, what do your parents think about this? You taking up this big mantle. Well, my parents, they are not a pastor per se, mm-hmm. but they, they, they have been in the church. We grew up in a Christian family. Mm-hmm. When I took over, um, before even I go into Bible school, I just want to uh, answer God's call and say that I want to be a pastor. Um, initially, my parents were kind of um, not too happy. <laughs> May I ask <laughs> why? May I ask why? a Christian family. Yeah, why, exactly. Right? Now in my family, we do we, we, we do have a pastor in our family, mm. and and we have seen how pastors suffer in the past. Pastors today are very different. You know, you talk about in the early seventies and uh, late eighties, mm. um, many pastors suffered tremendously. Many of them were pioneers. So when we talk about answering God's call, you always give a impression that being a pastor will be you know you got to be ready, that you have no food for your children, <laughs> you have no money, and you have to find ways to you know ask people for money. It's going to be a very challenging role. And, uh, and and on top of that, actually, I was doing pretty well in college. Mm. So they have pretty high hopes for me to do something that will earn quite a good figure you know, for mm. salary and I'll be able to be successful. So initially, it was not that you know, kind of you know, positive, but eventually um, they give in after they see uh, what the Lord is doing in my life and the kind of commitment that I've made. And so, yeah, so eventually they are very happy. In fact, today they are very glad that I answer God's call and do what I'm doing now. Fantastic. Uh, now, as the president of BCM, right, uh, you, like you mentioned, you, you have lecturers who are twice your age. Forget lecturers, you know, you have students twice your age. <laughs> you know, people that you are also leading, you have a team, you know, of admin and management people who are, I would say, mm-hmm. in their 50s and the 60s. How, right. how does a 32-year-old or right now 37 years old, how, how do you lead a team that, is sometimes twice your age, you know? Is it challenging? Uh, because in Malaysia, I would say in this, we are very cultural. It's always about filial piety, you know? It's always about honouring your mm. elders and all those are not wrong, but it's always the perception where you always have to, not kowtow lah, but they give that certain amount of respect to people who are older than you are. Right. And then, right. you know, you heard of this Cantonese saying, yim I mean, you know, you yeah. eat salt more yeah. than you have eat, yeah. ra- eaten rice. That's so right. how, how do you right. lead a team that consists of people who are twice your age? Is it difficult? How do you do it? Um, I think it, 
you, you have to be clear with the communication channel mm. because um, when you communicate with people who are you know 10 years 20 years more elderly than you um, of course there will be certain expectations that come from both sides mm. uh, i grew up in a church that i consider as a family church mm -hmm. we have multiple generations and i i've been leading people even in my own church context before i went into bible school so dealing with elderly people is not new to me. Mm. I've been preaching to people triple my age. So it's nothing, it's not like entirely new. Uh, but of course, there have been a set of challenge. Um, people who are young, like, like you know, when, when you are young, you tend to have a lot of ideas. Yep. I, I say this to a lot of young ministers. We tend to have a lot of ideas and that should be the way. We shouldn't be uh, keeping our ideas to ourselves. We should share it. We should talk about it. Um, but also expect some sort of uh, uh, kind of response that is not so positive right. initially. Uh, people may say, uh, how much do you know? You don't understand the situation. Mm. Uh, it takes time to build that trust. It takes time to show that what you have mentioned is not entirely a crazy ideas. There are reasons behind it. Mm. Um, the way we present the ideas have to be you know, in a way that is understandable. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes even myself and I throw so many new ideas, um, if I'm if I'm not clear and uh, you know precise with my language, you know people who are elderly and they will say what nonsense are you talking about? <laughs> so that kind of thing happen. Yeah. It happens. Uh, you can ask my team members. Um, mm. Many of them will say this this young president have so many new things want to do, mm. so many things want to change. Um, but it's all it's all for the good of the organizations. It's all for the good of the ministry. Um, I think that will be shown through times if mm. you are committed. Um, the elderly will eventually recognize that, but mm. you have to give time you know, for, for that to develop. Wow. So it's not an easy thing to do. Um, be prepared for um, heartbreaking moments. Uh, I went through many rounds, mm. but I don't show it. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, the other thing that I think uh, many young people will immediately you know, burst out in yep. social media. I've learned that to do that is kind of silly mm -hmm. because when you show all your negative vibes um, it's mm. just show that you are not being mature enough mm. to handle mm. criticism. It's just part of life. Uh, yeah. we, we don't take everything, you know, everything that we propose does not mean everything is good. You just have to be open enough to receive even criticism, which is fine. Um, so having five years of being a president, well, I have gone through my fair share of criticism. I'm still getting it, um, mm. but I'm learning quite a fair bit from it as well. Can I just say you haven't? Uh, you, you look like you haven't grown a day older. So I would say that this is doing <laughs> you quite well from 32 to 37. I haven't seen you in quite a few years, but you still pretty much look the same. So that's very good news. I I would reckon. Yeah. You know, my good. wife is saying the other way around. Oh. I, I look actually older than my age for many part many years. You know, when I was in my twenties, I looked <laughs> like I'm thirties. So so I'm growing into my actual look. <laughs> so, so that's another way of looking at it. <laughs> All right, good. Now we're gonna go back and uh, fall back into our topic today, which is Christian education. Now Christian education is. Well, can I just say it's a massive topic, right? It's so many things within Christian education. That's why we focus more on uh, your role, you know, and focus more on, when I say Christian education, yeah. we're also going to focus a little bit on the institution, uh, you know, yeah. of which you have a lot of experience in. Let's talk about Bible seminaries, first of all. Uh, President of BCM, you know, you're not the only uh, seminary around. There are a few, MBS, there is Dongshin, and, and, and there are a few. Like, there, there are quite a few in Malaysia. Tongling, Tonglin, Tonglin, sorry. Tongshin yeah. is the hospital. Tongshin Hospital, yeah. That's where my sister was born, actually. Uh, Tonglin, Tonglin Seminary, right? And uh, there are quite yeah, a few Tonglin. in Malaysia. 
Now, seminaries, mm-hmm. I would say, have evolved over the years. Lah. You know, seminaries mm-hmm. in the 70s and 80s and now in the 2020s are very different. So what do you think has changed with seminaries then and today? Now, many of the seminaries, Bible colleges, were started off mainly as a ministerial training school. Mm. That means they, they train people to be pastors. Uh, that has been the initial uh, purpose of seminaries. But as church become bigger, yep. stronger, mature, and we deal with more complex issues now. So seminaries now is not just limited to um, training pastors and uh, church leaders. Mm. We are also training lay leaders, people on the ground who are doing social work, social concerns. Um, and even, you know, church are doing what I call small groups and cell groups. So many cell group leaders will come to equip themselves. So mm. in that sense, um, the, the seminaries and Bible schools are now broadening up the training. It's not just to train pastors. And therefore, the curriculum, mm-hmm. the training material that they are using today is very diverse. Mm. Uh, we talked about issues like politics, ethics, uh, religions, mm. um, spiritual formations, um, social concerns, mm. um, signs, uh, all sort of topics are being covered in seminaries today. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not like those days, it's just to equip you to be a church planter. Right. So we have gone um, beyond that. But having said that, we still train people to be pastors. Yeah, I was that just about to say, it's the just initial more, goal. Yeah, it's more yeah, holistic. Yeah. La. That is the initial goal. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. That is the initial goal. So the seminaries and Bible colleges is still doing that. But yep. we are not just doing that. We are not just training pastors. We are training people who are ready to do all sorts of different ministry. Can mm. can someone be a minister uh, in full-time ministry? Can someone be a minister without undergoing seminary training? Well, whether you like it or not, mm. the reality is there are many pastors today that they don't have a seminary degree. Uh, they mm. are already pastoring in the church. Mm. They are already uh, doing ministry. And in fact, I would say their effectiveness is equally good um, because a lot of ministry do not necessarily require the kind of certifications or the kind of critical thinking methods and so forth. A lot of this ministry, uh, people ministry, mm-hmm. uh, relating with people, you know, sharing care and concern, counseling, the poor, yeah, counseling, and mm. so forth. They, they require a lot of people skills, and mm. there are some people, you know, gen, you know, genuinely they have that kind of skills. Maybe through their years in the marketplace, or mm. even you know, personality wise, they are very people pe- person. Um, they they are very effective. Mm. Um, so in that sense, in reality, there are people already in the ministry even without all these certifications. So yeah. Mm. So short answer is it's possible, right? It is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And marketplace ministry. I mean, marketplace being a marketplace can actually still help you and can be relevant within yeah. the four walls of the church as well. Now, yeah. I want to expand yeah. from seminary. Talk a little bit about churches as well, because uh, people, mm-hmm. you know, part of spiritual formation also involves you going to Sunday school since you were a baby, going to kids club, youth ministry, serving in church, usher or whatever. Yeah. So you know, when you talk about Bible seminary, that's why people have this thinking where it's meant for future ministers or future pastors uh, because it's so like, wow, you know, Bible seminary and it's revered in the sense that, wow, this guy is in seminary, confirmed very holy <laughs> one. Yeah, so I want to talk about the relationship between a seminary and a church. Uh, right. Many times I think this relationship does overlap a little bit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, That's you know, right. this partnership, do you think right now with the existing model that we have, you know, uh, mm-hmm. does it work? 
you know, do you think it can be improved, how, this, this relationship between a seminary and a church? What do you think of this? I think if you ask any seminaries, president or principals, they will agree that the quality of students that we get really depends on the quality of training they, the students have in their own church. Wow. Yeah. That means if, if a student comes to a Bible school and seminary without any form of training back in their own church, it will be a very tough job for the seminaries to, you know, within the three years or four years time to equip someone from zero to uh, full-time pastors, for example. So we really appreciate when the church is doing their role. And after all, I think, and this is what I believe, that Christian education is first to be done within the church context, not in the seminary. Mm. Seminary role is more on uh, equipping what the church are not able to do. So there will be areas where the churches will not be able to, to do like look, all those you know difficult topics to teach yep. and the environment will be very different. But within the church context, um, fundamental training, like your basic understanding of faith, how, how you behave, your character formations, you, you can't avoid this. Any pastors, if a person is not formed within his own church, um, ended up, we have a lot of hate knowledge, yep. but you know, personality-wise, character-wise, is really lousy. Yep. And, and that happens even with some students in Bible school and seminaries. We have seen that. Yeah. So so it's not the fault of the seminaries, neither should I say the fault of the church, but it will be the person, if the person did not really spend time in their own church. Mm. Um, so so seminaries and churches will have to partner. This partnership, this kind of um, relationship is essential. Mm. There's mm. no other way out. So seminaries can't function by ourselves. We cannot. Mm. Um, and I don't think churches should do seminary works as well. It would be too much for them, too costly. Just mm. imagine you have to hire, to, to train up a, a, a pastors yeah. um, with all the qualifications and understanding of the crucial topics. You, have, you will have to hire uh, people with the right degree, people with the right expertise. Mm. It will cost a lot. So to be more cost effective, to, to make things work better, um, seminaries is where you get all these experts together to train. So to in a win-win situation, um, so you have that partnership. Mm. To improve on the partnership is what I think we need to work on. A lot of time when seminaries uh, you know, do their work, um, they, they will expect the church to participate in some way. Mm -hmm. And of course, when the church send their people to seminaries, they will expect that the seminaries will do their things and uh, do in, in their own way. Mm. Uh, but the communication level is, is not done uh, between these two entities. Sometimes right. the church expectation is too high. They expect well, once the person go through three years of seminaries, come back, this person will be like uh, another Billy Graham, will <laughs> win the world to be so effective. Mm. And, and then from the Bible school side, we expect someone that come from the church who should have at least gone through basic Christian education will be like a saint, you know, you, you come from the church, you, you should be, you know, the pastors will be carrying you. But the reality is, it's not like that, mm. you know. So that there is a need for both sides to communicate more, which I think today, seminaries are doing that better than before. Uh, many presidents are, you know, very frequently communicate with the churches and with pastors and fellowshipping with them, mm. which is a good sign. Awesome. So I think it's improving, it's moving towards a right direction. Is there is there adequate support, do you think, for seminaries from churches? Is it increasing, you know, do you guys, as seminaries, do you, do you feel like you receive adequate support from churches? Be it from, I mean, let's, let's 
cross out denominations here. Uh, you know, but from a perspective of the seminary, do you feel like you're receiving adequate support from churches, or it could be more, or it's it's enough? You know, thank you. Well, um, I may speak for on behalf of all the seminary heads <laughs> as well, because when I talk to the seminary heads, we always have this complaint right. that we don't have enough resources. Mm. That is the reality. If you look at the West, uh, in the Western world, in the UK, US, many of their seminaries and Bible college and even universities have grant that is set up by Christians. And uh, resource, of course, they even with that grant, they have limitations, but at least um, money is not that the, the, the only thing that limits them. Um, they, they have other things to concern, but at least money is not that crucial. Right. However, on this side of the globe, um, it's not the case. Uh, finance is really the main limitation, I would say. It's really the thing that um, pull the seminaries back and not able to allow them to go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at, like for example, the, the, the whole salary scheme among seminaries is yep. really, you can't compare it with church pastors, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, in the West, it's different. You know, if you get to be a lecturer, you know, the salary is better than a pastor's. But in Malaysia, the context is usually the other way around. Does this affect... So resources is... Yeah, yeah resources it does, is it a does. problem. It does, right? So, so if let's say you don't have sufficient resources, mm-hmm. therefore you can't do much. You can't do a lot of uh, further studies. All our lecturers may, may not be able to take a sabbatical rest. They can't do writings. Um, even though they have done their PhD, you know, they, they are at that level to contribute world at a global level. But because we don't have the funds for them to write, to produce works and to add on to knowledge, those kind of things. Um, so that, that is the unfortunate part. Mm. Um, not having resources. But having said that, uh, it does not mean churches are not supporting. Uh, we have to understand also, um, your seminarians, we, we understand this dynamic, that the church in Malaysia, um, they, they are not like in the West, mm. not necessarily rich, and many of them are struggling. Right. Um, so, so the uniqueness of the majority world is that because of our circumstances, we, we are not able to have that kind of fun. Many of us are forced to live by faith. <laughs> in that sense, in that sense, uh, the 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 teaching, the the what called spirituality that you find in Malaysian seminary is really genuine. Right. Uh, unless you are called, you won't be there in the seminaries. <laughs> put it this way. And that forces us to really go to our knees to pray. We mm. pray really, really hard. Um, and, and we, of course, rely a lot on the church's support and we still communicate very, you know, uh, not like some seminaries in the West, they don't care, you know, what's going on in the church. For us here, we, we, do, we truly care. <laughs> what affects the church will affects us directly. Yes, yes, so, yes. So that's the reality. So, so if you ask me, do we have enough support? Of course, we will, we will have hope to have more. Mm. But we also understand the circumstances that churches are facing in our Malaysian context. Mm. And we understand all this. And all these circumstances help us to create the kind of genuine environment that train pastors and leaders in the church. Amazing. Yeah. I love your perspective on this. Like, you know, it's, it mm. takes a leader to see it this way, you know, because a lot of people will be very defeated, you know, to have your counterparts in the West who have, <laughs> I would say, not, not, you know, a lot of resources, but adequate resources. Can you imagine, yeah. you know, how life would have been if you just say you can 
say that, oh yeah, Brandon, I have adequate resources and we're moving to train this, we're moving to open this. It would be a very different environment, but yet you can still see the silver lining and you can put it in a way that, yes. hey, it challenges our faith. If you really are in seminary or you're serving in a seminary, it really shows also your genuine passion for the Lord. So I really love that That's part right. and how you look at it because you need to adopt that kind of spirituality and mentality mm-hmm. so that you know your team also do not lose hope. And yep. it takes a, right. it, it's from top down. So I think that's amazing. Now, uh, back to the seminaries, of course. Uh, being not so funded as much as you would like, does that affect, mm-hmm. because you say you, a lot of it operates by faith, of course, does it affect yeah. you attracting talents then to your seminary? You know, Does it affect because yes. you, know, you say, oh, I can't pay you this much, and then the person is, I then I, you know, so sorry. Does it affect that kind of, you know, but at the same time, it's faith, 50-50. So, so yes, I you already answered yes. So it does. How how does it affect? It does affect. So put it this way: for a person to to be a lecturer, for example, yeah, um, you you have to hold a certain level of um, le- education. So so in short, you have to get a a PhD, for example, mm-hmm. and to get a PhD, you need to raise the kind of amount to fund the studies. So if you do not have the resources, you can't really spare much, lah. So in that sense, even for a person t- that says, I want to go and serve in a seminaries, I want to serve in a Bible college, can I be a lecturer? Um, the school will actually scrutinize very thoroughly. It's not like some other countries where they don't mind taking two or three and then train them up. Uh, if one really cannot, then at least mm. you have another two or three. But that cannot be done in Malaysian context. We have to be really strategic. Mm. Okay, that's one thing. Uh, but that's good for... Um, to make sure there's no wastage of resources uh, in that sense. <laughs> but on the other hand, um, it's true. It's hard to attract younger lecturer. Mm. Um, among our seminarians, we presidents and principals, we have discussed this. Um, how are we raising up the next generation of lecturers? People like me is odd, you know. There are not that uh, yeah, many young exactly people <laughs> in the seminary setting, in the Bible yeah. college. Not that many. I know like, some schools are trying now to raise a few, um, but we won't be able to replace all the heads. Mm. If you understand, mm. you know, if you have three lecturers now teaching these three subjects, you only have two new ones coming in, then who will fill up the third one? Mm. So that will be this ongoing issues that happens in seminaries. Of course, we can import missionaries to come to teach here, but it will be different. Missionaries, they will be here for a period of time. Yeah but they may not understand your local context that, that well. Mm. And all of us you know, in, in our churches, we have the responsibility to raise our own theologians, our own teachers, our own you know, spiritual leaders mm. um, from ground level. So I think, um, yeah, you're right by saying there, there will be this limitation. Yep. Um, attracting n- new talents will be hard, um, but we are doing... Know our best to attract as much as we could. Mm. Um, that depends also the churches, mm. uh, whether are they willing to send their prime candidates because churches are also attracting the same group. Yes, right. People yes. who are talented, you know, they can preach well, they can teach well. Of course, the church will also hope that they will be their next senior pastor. Mm-hmm. So, so that will be another tension that we need to deal with. Uh, whether when a persons want to go to Bible school to be a lecturer. Uh, at the same time, the person is being asked, "Why don't you pastor this church?" You know, then when you compare the salaries, of course, uh, you know mm, the, mm. the other side will be uh, more attractive. Right. So that will be a constant issue that happens in seminaries. Wow, it's 
I'm I'm glad I'm not the president. <laughs> it's true because I yeah. this is my first time talking to a seminary head, right? Uh, and and if you if you are, let's just put it this way: if you're a regular church going Christian, you know you're very regular in church and you're serving even in your church. But if you don't have this conversation, if I never had this conversation with you, let me just put it this way: I would have never thought about this kind of thing. I would have never in a million years think these are the challenges yeah. that you face, and it's very real challenges because at the yeah. end of the day. It is a seminary, but it's also still an education institution. That's right. It's That's still right. like any other education institution. And it needs to, you know, you got to manage yeah. your budget, your cash flow, you got to roll and things like that. And it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, now, Pastor, just to talk to you a, a more about seminaries here. Uh, we, we touched on this a little bit just now, you know, where seminaries, people think are for future pastors, where people get trained to be full-time ministers and then go back to their church and then start planting church, you know, start becoming a pastor, uh, you know. And, and the thing is that uh, this mentality of it's only reserved for people with a full-time calling, what do you think of this thing? Because you grew up in that era, you know, since you became president, I, I've seen BCM evolve, but you grew up in this era, if I'm not mistaken, where it's specifically meant for people with full-time calling. Yeah, so, so in the past, the understanding is seminary is like a little castle that you train the people that are equipped so that they will go out there mm. and become the next pastor, the next senior pastor, or plant a new church. Um, but the trend have changed tremendously over the last few, uh, these two decades in mm. particular. Mm. Um, reason is because church have become more complex. There are really a need for even lay leaders to be trained to understand the Bible in a very in-depth manner. Right. So Bible school is not just limited to pastors or you know church uh, you know top leaders but leadership at large um, church members who are mature who have gone through your basic training in your church yeah. um, you can go to bible school to sign up some courses mm. and get equipped and because all these things will help you not just in your ministry but also in your life mm. right because a lot of people are asking more um, difficult questions nowadays even you know christians yeah. Um, questions that they may not be getting answers in their own church. So seminaries and Bible colleges are doing this part to even helping um, members of the church to be equipped, to mature, to know about all these answers mm. in a deeper manner. So it's not mm. just for pastors then. It can you know, literally be no. if you're a CG leader, for example, you can also attend seminary. So having That's said right. that, since it's not just for pastors, is it fair for me to say that then if you say so, shouldn't all Christians attend seminary then, right? Because you just mentioned, so shouldn't all Christians, you, me, everyone who's listening right now, you know, all the brothers and sisters, shouldn't all of them enroll into BCM today? Yeah, I think my colleague will be a bit annoyed with what I was saying. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think every Christian should go to a seminary or Bible college. Um, the reason is because many of our Bible colleges and seminaries nowadays, mm -hmm. they, they are accredited that means they have certain requirements for them to follow. And uh, they will be targeting those who have at least gone through um, Form 6 um, or A-level. A, A-levels. If it's Form A 6, then right. it's A-levels, yeah. So, so that is the minimal requirement um, for, for you to embark into a program in Bible school. Um, because in Bible school, whether you like it or not, you, you will be engaging the mind in very... Yep. Um, critical turret manner very mm. critical they, they will train you about critical thinking reflections you have to write essays and academics 
So I would say if a person have not gone through tertiary level studies and they go into Bible school, they may get a shock. Mm. And they may thought, I thought I come to Bible school to learn about Bible. Why am I writing, learning how to write academic papers? Why am I learning how to write reflection papers, <laughs> summaries, uh, doing exams, essays? They, they will get a shock. And, and this is where a lot of people don't understand. They, they find that oh, all these things are you know, not going to help your spirituality. Uh, you know, you're just uh, doing hate knowledge, which is not true. You see, the model that many seminaries are doing now with all these papers writing, it is assuming that the person have gone through the basic training back in their own church mm-hmm. and they are familiar with writings, essays, writings, because they have gone through tertiary level studies. Mm. But there are some people, of course, that have not gone through that. That doesn't mean they cannot serve. Mm-hmm. That does not mean they cannot grow spiritually. But what I'm saying is Bible school may not be the best choice mm. to help people like this. You know, you may have other uh, learning centers or discipleship program that are offered out there that do not need you to take, um, you know, write a paper or write a research paper or, you know, critics a, a book or that kind of thing. Because if you if you are not equipped to do so and then you're dumb into it, what will happen is you, you will get distracted. Mm. Which I've seen some people come to Bible school, they have a very genuine heart to serve God, but because of all these things, they get distracted mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't really help them. Mm. So so my suggestion is usually to them is don't, don't worry. If you find these courses too difficult, it does not mean that you are bad. It's just that this is not the suitable pathway for you. Mm. There are many other pathways to grow in the Lord. Um, so look for those pathways. There are many other schools per se mm. um, that focus on discipleships. They are not so academic. Now, now, having said that, what if someone who wants to be a pastor? Yeah. Okay. Uh, my, my recommendation is for a pastor, for the church top leader, you should at least go through Bible school. Mm. Uh, reason is because if you choose to, those, choose to do those simpler program, when I say simpler, does not mean it's weaker in nature. It just means that it's not so academic. Mm. The tendency is you choose to do things that you like but not necessarily do things that you need. Mm. Um, in seminaries, they will give you all sorts of subjects that you need to study, even things that you don't like to study, but it's useful for you. Right. You know, just like any form of education out there, they will try to provide a holistic program that covers all ground. Mm. And all of us have our favorite subjects. Yeah. Right. We, when we study the favorite subjects, we'll get very alert, but we also have subjects that we hate, we don't like. Yes, but whether you like it or not, those subjects that you hate is still needful to help you to be a, you know, a person that is holistically equipped. So I think if you want to be a pastor or church leader, then um, you should really consider going through Bible school, even though you may not have the tertiary level mm-hmm. studies, because it is helpful for you. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of the you know, members of the church, um, you don't have to necessarily go to Bible school. Mm-hmm. Now. now I keep flip-flopping because yeah. <laughs> there, there, are, there are people who say, so should I go or not? Exactly. Bottom line, should I go or not? All right. So, so I come to this bottom line. Mm. Go and try out first. If you don't know whether you should do it or not, just go and sign up a course. All right? No harm. Any mm. seminaries today allows you to sign up their night classes or there are a lot of short-term courses. Just do one. Get one course done and then evaluate whether 
it is helpful for you or not. For some, even though they have not, they may not have done tertiary studies, but they have read enough. Mm. You know, they have talked with you know professionals. They have gone through life, and the classes is helpful for them. Go for it. Mm. But for some, even though they may have a degree, but um. You know, some sometimes I wonder how they get a degree, <laughs> and they find it very unhelpful. They yeah. find it very difficult. Then may not be the right choice for you. I think that's very fair. And there is another. There is another option mm. nowadays in Bible school and seminaries, is what we call audit. Audit means you just sit through the class and you don't have to do any assignments, mm. which is also a way for some people to learn. Some people find that I like to hear the teaching of the the lecturer or the teacher. But I don't want to do all this assignment. There is an option like that yep. in Bible school. Just go to your nearest Bible school or seminaries and ask, "Can I have the option just to audit the course?" And they will be glad to tell you, "Welcome, <laughs> audit." And uh, you can enjoy the class. You can yeah. listen to the lecture. You get get all these um, learning lessons without the hassles of writing papers, writing all these things. Yeah, there is such an option, so you can consider. Fantastic! I I love how honest you are, you know, because I think if you talk to any head of an organization, uh, who needs money to survive, uh, and who's money to roll, you will expect that, that person to say yes, come, come. It's it's wonderful. It's perfect. You know, we 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 welcome you with open arms. Uh, yet you're very honest uh, to say that hey, you know, yes, uh, we would encourage you know, but it's get, then again, not for everyone. You know, you need to have certain requirements and and uh, you know, especially the calling. I would say calling is a very important thing. You know, it's not just like you say, any Tom, Dick and Harry can just attend and then you get, wow, you know, you come in, you've seen a lot of cases where after they go in and you get discouraged instead. So mm. calling is, I think, one of the key things, you know. But yeah. for someone like uh, who's listening today, who's like, after listening to our conversation and they feel like, hey, you know, I have an interest. I really do have an interest now in signing up for seminary. I want to equip myself. Uh, and I feel, you know, I feel that I'm being called to full-time ministry. Now, feeling can be de- deceiving at best. So yeah. how do yeah. you know, how would I know that I have, I'm being called to full-time ministry? Is there a sure way marker? Is there like a checklist that I got to tick, 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 you know, and I cross out all the boxes, then yeah. yes. How, how, how would you know? Like you are in full-time ministry. You've been doing this for over more than 10 years. How do I know? Right. Yeah. So the, this whole thing about calling, there are many levels to it. Uh, I think we have to clarify first and foremost, mm-hmm. are, you, are we talking about calling into full-time ministry, which is, uh, vocational calling or for some people they are called not into full-time ministry that means they don't have to give up their job and uh, jump straight in but they are called into just another form of ministry to do something for the Lord so I think for all the listeners you need to be clear what exactly you you understand with the word calling so let's say we talk about full-time full-time that means you're going to give all in I'm going to sign up mm. and then I'll be a pastor's as my vocation as mm. my full-time it's my career uh, this is my work yeah it's my career mm-hmm. right so in in that kind of circumstances there are a few things that you should take note usually when someone comes to bible school we ask them share about your full-time calling and what we are looking for is is there anything sp- specific that you know that god is telling you that this is the pathway mm. for some people they they may get a vision mm. uh, either through you know a visible vision that they see or a vision that appears in their mind when they pray and that's one thing another will be a, a call audible voice from god mm-hmm. uh, we have students in the past where they literally heard god sp- spoke to them audibly 
and tell them you have to go to Bible school wow. quick. And three years later, this is what you should do. Mm. And God can work that way as well. We see in the Bible, we have people who receive dream as well. Mm -hmm. There are people who have dream, visions, um, calling from God. Now, I when I received my calling, um, it was a word of prophetic prayer by another pastor, mm. uh, which can happen as well. Someone pray over you and they give a word mm. from the Lord and says that God has this plan for you. Mm. Uh, but I am a very cognitive kind of person. I am a, in, in fact, and when I was a younger person, I used to be a very skeptical person. So mm. I usually find that this kind of thing have to be tested, uh, which eventually I realized is a wise thing to do. For anyone who say, oh, I received a word from the Lord, so and so pastor prayed for me, and uh, I, I think this is it. Um, it's okay to test it. There's mm. nothing wrong. It's nothing less, uh, no, less of a fake person. Um, in fact, when you read the Bible, there are occasions where someone received a prophetic word, you, you have to get tests and confirmation, mm. which is fine. So what I did was I asked God for confirmation and I go through a time of prayer and seek the Lord. But because if, if it's really God's call, God will confirm it. God will tell you through different means and different ways. Perhaps another pastor will come again mm. and repeat the same prophecy or same words. Um, even though those two pastors are not related, that kind of thing. Mm, Look mm. for signs and confirmation, right? And and from there, you, you get the kind of uh, affirmation. Mm. Uh, for me, that's what happened. I asked for confirmation and there you have another pastor praying exactly the same thing. Mm. And I'm still not, I still find not enough. So I asked God another one. So God, if, if it's truly from you, uh, because I'm ready to sign up for Bible school, but... Mm just to make sure it's very clear. So I want a full scholarship. I want to do a tertiary level studies first. So I haven't, before I go for Bible school, I went to uh, APU now it's called, uh, mm -hmm. used to be called APIT uh, mm -hmm. to do my computer studies. So, so there were other students studying at that time. And actually I don't have money issues. My parents actually have saved up some money for me to do studies. But I say, God, I don't want them to spend the money. And then later on ask me, um, since now I paid for your study, you should work first before you go to Bible school. I said, God, to make it sure that you are calling me, I need a full scholarship. Well, God must be this then, son of mine. Uh, <laughs> tell uh, you, well, <laughs> this son. And, uh. and, and, and indeed, and indeed, actually, when I went for the interview, I signed up. Of course, when you ask God, you have to act on it as yeah. well. So it's not just praying; you have to do actions. So I applied for a scholarship and went for my scholarship interview. There were others who really, really need the interview, need the money, um, and lo and behold, I got the scholarship. Mm. So, so there were rounds of confirmation so that is where you get um, confirmed signs that you know this is god telling you so so don't don't feel bad if you mm. ask god for confirmation and the other one that i often tell people um, the lord don't just speak to one person he speaks to the church mm. if you read the book of acts the way paul and barnabas was called out it was god speaking to the community of faith the church so Whenever you feel that there is a prompting that God is calling you, ask a few people to pray along with you. Ask your church leaders to pray along with you and see and ask them to discern together whether is this what God wants me to do. So, so this is another good mm. um, practice that you can do immediately. Just mm. ask a few people, just pray along. And if they discern that, yeah, maybe this is the right path that God is telling you 
and we all have the peace of God, then go and pursue for it. Mm. Now, there are some people who didn't get any of those that I've just mentioned. They don't get vision, they don't get dreams, they don't get prophetic words, right. but they have a strong burden. Now, I, I personally struggle with this. What if a person have a strong burden and come to you and says, um, I want to be a pastor. I don't get all these things. I'm not sure whether God wants me, you know, give me a clear sense of directions, but I just feel burdened. Uh, to be honest, I would say, yeah, why not you do the ministry? Mm. Go for it. But give yourself room to be open enough to say that, what if this is not the direction and perhaps God is calling you to do other things, which is fine. I think a lot of people find that if you go to Bible school, you must be a pastor. That perception needs to be changed. If a, part, if a person goes through Bible school, finished their program, and ended up not being a pastor, but turned out to be you know, a marketplace leader, or a consultant, or business person, or you know, being equipped and turned out to be a counselor, we should celebrate that. That is perhaps what God called them to do. Mm. In fact, if you force them into pastoral duty just because they have completed their studies, may not be the right thing to do. Mm. It may not fit their gifting. It may not be what God is really calling them to do. So if a person have that passion and desire want to serve God, they want to go to Bible school, fine. It's okay. But keep your expectation open. Mm. That means if you go to Bible school, just be open. You know, you just do your study there and... You know, it's not a bad thing to study in a seminary. Mm. Three years of training can be helpful to form you as a person, to know more about the Bible, to understand about God, which is a good thing. Everyone, if you want to just audit classes, it's fine. Mm. But don't lock yourself in to saying that, oh, now that I've done three years, I must do full-time ministry. It's not always the case. Mm. And if that doesn't happen, we shouldn't feel bad about it. We should be open to see this is what the Lord is reading this person to. Wow. So, so my way of looking at vocation nowadays is more like a journey. Mm. It's like everyone is on embarking on a journey. And if God is revealing you to you at this point to go to Bible school to be equipped, and uh, we're not sure what will happen next three years, fine. So keep open, keep seeking. And until the Lord reveals further to you. Because even having a passion itself, it could be a sign from the Lord. Because mm. not everyone have the passion. You see? Mm. So if the Lord have given you this passion at this point, go for it. Mm. You know, the zeal is good, uh, but don't lock yourself in. Don't, mm. keep, don't put yourself into a box and limit what God is about to do in your life. God mm. has many more things that have not informed us, have not tell us, told us yes. Mm. right? So, so be open to that. Wow, I feel like, Pastor, you're just not speaking to the audience. I feel like you're speaking to me also because I it, it speaks directly to me you know, and my situation and, and also what I've been doing and what I'm doing right now. Uh, so, you know, I really appreciate what you said, you know, and uh, it really affirms me and it's really encouraging and I'm sh so 100% sure that people who are listening out there, they are definitely, they can relate and they can identify with what you're saying and I love it. I love the approach and, uh, you know, it's also biblical. There's nothing not biblical yeah. about what you said as well. Now, we're slowly running down out of time here, but, you know, just to touch a little bit about spiritual formation, again, a massive topic, you know, we might leave this topic for another day. I believe this is not the last time I'm going to be talking to you on Listen Up as well. <laughs> now, sure. very quickly, how can a person mature, uh, you know, when you talk about their spiritual formation, uh, you know, as, you know, when they're a baby, you, you let them eat baby food now, you know, these people are grown up, of course, some of it, 
it's a journey. Some of them just became Christians. So spiritual formation, big topic. Uh, how can someone you know mature as a Christian? Uh, I'm sure many listeners, if you attend a church, I'm mm-hmm. sure you have gone through some of your basic um, church discipleship lessons, if not some Bible study class. All these are very helpful for um, forming, forming us. You know, I like the word forming. No, we are being formed. God mm. is forming us. We are being mold and changed. Mm. So what you should be expecting is as a person, we are transformed. We will be changed. Um, after you become a Christian for some time, when you look back, there will be certainly changes that happens in your life. Mm. Uh, this form of changes is the real objective. The objective here is not to take the lessons. It's not to just attend seminaries. The objective, the goal that you're looking for is transformation. Mm. It's how God change us and transform us so to to achieve that many things can can be done mm. like for example um, you study in bible school or you take a bible study class or in your church you know some home group and whatsoever so there are a lot of things that you can do mm. but one of the things that i keep emphasizing to people is this people are formed when they're in a community People are formed when they're in a community. I say that to my students as well in Bible school. You come to Bible school, what we do is we give you the training, you know, in terms of skill sets training, knowledge training, you know, read and do reflections and stuff like that. But the actual forming part, how a person is transformed, is where you apply the lessons within a community. Mm. And that means your relationship with your church is very, very crucial. I, I know now in this online context, our relationship with our church is actually very superficial, almost artificial nowadays, mm, mm, mm. Uh, except for some phone calls and things like that. And then many of us are just watching um, the sermons. Um, we can't help it because of the pandemic, but do not let that limit us. Mm. We have to find ways to cultivate community in a deeper way mm. because formation can only happen when we rub shoulder with another person. Yep. You know, all this word together, together in the Bible can only be done when you have another person around you, right? How, how can you practice love? How can you practice generosity? Mm. How can you practice endurance, perseverance? All these things can be done and form us when we are in a community. Mm-hmm. So even for my students, I tell them, yeah, I mean, Bible school is very important to equip you but what really makes the change is that when you bring all this lesson back to your home church, mm. there is where the ground that you will interact, that you will, you know, deal with issues of conflicts. Um, you know, sometimes when you go back to your home church, you, you may face things that you are not happy with. Yeah. All those things are very important. It's part of learning. Mm. You know, uh, a lot of people are expecting when you go to church, you just it should be just a happy moment. Oh, I come here to enjoy my presence, you know, enjoy the sermon, enjoy, enjoy. Um, yes, that is part of church life. But part of church life is also endurance, mm. resolving conflicts, reconciliation, um, hurt, healing from hurts. This is also part of the, the formation experience. Yeah. So I would say, you know, formation, spiritual formation, uh, there are many things can be done, but don't miss this out. Be part of a church. Mm. Commit yourself to a local community. Mm. And that's where you get to be formed in the, in the most tangible way. Wow. 
Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I say, yo, these are very, very big words of wisdom here. And I'm very sure if someone were to make a, you know, I I don't know, a transcription or whatever we just said, you know, it could be put and made into a sermon on it by itself. So, Reverend Victor Lee, I just want to say thank you so much for spending the last, you know, 45 minutes with us. I mean, listening to you, you know, I'm so engrossed in it because uh, what you, whatever you just said, you know, it's so practical and at the same time, very, very relevant. And I can see why the Lord put you where you are today, uh, right now. And I'm, you know, I really can foresee that, you know, through you, I think many young people will really come to know the Lord and, you know, be added into the full of seminary and uh, ministry for the Lord. So thank you so much. I feel personally I've learned a lot uh, and I'm super duper encouraged by what you've shared. Uh, and to our listeners who are listening in, you know, if you agree as well, you know, I mean, please, and if you feel a certain calling in your heart as well today, even if it's a passion, I, I, I implore and I encourage you to act upon it because, you know, the application must be there as well. So Reverend Victor, before I let you go, uh, any last words you'd like to say uh, to our viewers, you know, it can be anything, anything that the Holy Spirit impresses upon you. Is there anything you want to share from your heart? So this is my last word. I... Of course, it's not my last word, <laughs> but I hope that you take this into your heart. Mm. I think because of the current pandemic, uh, many Christians, their spirituality have you know, just limited to online service. Um, I just want to remind you, you know, that shouldn't be the way. Our walk with God is ongoing. Mm. It's ongoing, whether pandemic or not. And uh, pandemic is truly just a time of our some people it's like a wilderness time but even in the time of wilderness God is still with you God is there with you including with you so of course I will want to welcome you to seminary to study but let that not be the limitation of what yeah. God is doing listen to God spend time with God daily even in this time of pandemic and spiritual growth um, should not be stopped by circumstances it should be ongoing the Lord continue to lead us. Fantastic. Amen to that. Thank you so much, Reverend Victor. Before we go, let me just say a quick prayer for you uh, to bless you in your work. All right. Let, uh, let's all, you know, lift up our hands and just pray for Reverend Victor today. Lord Jesus, we just want to commit uh, Reverend Victor into your hands. We thank you for his life, Lord. We thank you for the work, Lord, that he has put in. We just want to pray and ask, Lord Jesus, for your blessing, Lord, to be upon him. They will increase, Lord Jesus, his territory and his influence, O oh Lord, that, Lord Jesus, through him, many will come to know you, Lord Jesus. Many ministers will be, uh, 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 will, will be born, Lord Jesus, out of his leadership as well. We just want to pray, Lord, even as he uh, been put into this position of leadership, we just want to pray, Lord, in all his ways and all his plans, he will submit to you, Lord, and you'll speak to him as clear as day, Lord Jesus, that he'll uh, walk with you, Lord, every single day, Lord, and you'll continue to reveal to him, Lord, what you have uh, in mind, Lord Jesus, for not just him and his family and his wife and his kids, but also for BCM, Lord, uh, but also for the organization and for his church, Lord. So we thank you for uh, Reverend Victor Lee, Lord. We just want to pray, uh, pray a blessing upon him. You protect him even this time, and you bless him, and you protect his family, Lord. So we thank you, and we praise you, Lord, and we commit Reverend Victor into your loving hands. In Jesus' name we pray. We say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. thank you. Thank you so much, Reverend Victor, for joining us today. To the rest of you, thank you so much for listening and tuning in to Listen Up as well. Don't forget, you can stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Also watch us on YouTube. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our channel as well. We'll see you guys again next time. Uh, this has been Brendan and this has been Reverend Victor Lee on Listen Up. See you then. Bye-bye. God bless.